All right, dog. Count us in whenever you're ready. All right. Three, two, one. Good evening, friends. It is Thursday, and it is also a special Thursday because it is Thanksgiving Thursday. So, what are you thankful for this year? Do you got your health, career, a good husband or wife at home, girlfriend, boyfriend? Do you have kids? Do you got family? Or are you thankful for what you're listening to right now? That Cal Park Bros Podcast. Brought to you by Terrence and Jason, two bros from Cal Park, who over 30 years have had a friendship for the ages, and here they talk to us about everyday life, music, movies, sports, you name it, they're going to talk about it. So, Terrence and Jason, thank you for this opportunity to be on your podcast. 30 plus episodes, and here we are. Keep rocking and rolling. Let's get it going. See ya! Welcome to the Calpac Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in for the Bat Cave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? Hey, man, I'm doing pretty good. It's another lovely Tuesday. Can't wait to get this started, man. Hey, you know, it's it's a holiday week, so it makes it even more fun to do the show, uh, knowing that, uh, you know, got some uh, some goodness coming up in a couple of days, football especially. Uh, of course, our Bears are playing, so, and, uh, and based on some news today, it might be a pretty meaningful meaningful game in a way, so. Um, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if it's that meaningful. <laughs> I don't know if it's that meaningful for Matt Nagy. I'm like, fam, y'all gonna fire me? Just do that shit before the holidays, so I can get my shit together and put it in a box. <laughs> well, we'll we'll say that because that may be a topic for episode episode next week. So, but yeah, man, hey, I'm ready to get into it. It's again, it's Tuesday, so let's get it. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. This is episode 32 of the Cal Park Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Cal Park Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly podcast for fans of culture, current events, sports, life, and entertainment. And as always, we are your hosts, Terrence and Jason, and every single Thursday, we bring you a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, the sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we loathe. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. Folks, for more Cal Park Bros content, 
Make sure you connect with us on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, under the handle Cal Park Bros or Cal Park Bros Podcast for more behind the scenes of the show and just to engage with us every single day. But important, important note here, the Cal Park Bros Podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? Hey, y'all know what it is. Like Terrence said earlier, it's the podcast to hear. So make sure you live it, love it, do it. Kicking off the show, uh, Jason, we're going to talk about, uh, honestly, the biggest news to break last week, which was the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, verdict. Um, a lot of people were kind of waiting with bated breath for this uh, for this verdict to come out. Um I'm not saying that I didn't, that I wasn't um, emotionally invested is probably a good way to put it, but I'm not all that surprised because this, I'm referencing an article by Ray Sanchez and Eric Levinson and Brad Parks from CNN. Um, Self-defense is not illegal. Kyle Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse tells Fox News after a not guilty verdict. Kyle Rittenhouse, the teenager who killed two people and shot another during unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, was acquitted last Friday of first-degree intentional homicide and four other felony charges. Rittenhouse, wearing a dark jacket with a burgundy tie and shirt, stood behind the defense table as each not guilty verdict was read. He tried to hold back tears and sobbed and appeared to collapse forward on the table where his attorney embraced him. As... Um, I, I mentioned there was a, a Fox News reference to basically um, Rittenhouse telling someone as he's being driven away from the courthouse, the jury reached a correct verdict. Self-defense is not illegal. And I believe they came to the correct verdict. And I'm glad that everything went well. Um, it was a panel, the jury of five men and seven women, and they deliberated for more than 24 hours over the past four days in a closely watched case of polarized and already divided nation. That verdict cannot be appealed. Of course, the governor, uh, Tony Evers, in a statement called for peace on the streets and said that the trial has reopened wounds that have not yet fully healed. Um, Jason, now that the verdict's here, now that the reaction's here, it, when you heard the verdict, like what wh 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 were some of your initial reactions? As far as the verdict goes, um, I know episodes ago, many moons ago, in the in the in the pantheon of the Calvert Bros, we talked about the Derek Chauvin verdict, and I mentioned then that I was surprised at the verdict, that I was expecting him to be found not guilty. I was expecting it more to be a hung jury because I figured there'll be at least one person on the jury that didn't want to convict him uh, of of his charges, and thus you know getting the trial thrown out or whatever. When it comes to this case, once I heard that he was claiming self-defense, I was pretty confident that based off of that, he was going to be found not guilty. Because I was just thinking, not that I agree that he's not guilty or anything, but just in a situation of unrest or riot, as some people might call it, and the chaos that ensues with that, I just felt like it might be a difficult challenge for the prosecuting attorneys to disprove that Rittenhouse wasn't defending himself. 
And obviously that's, that turned out to be the case that he was found not guilty on, on, on the five charges. And just to put it out there, the five charges were first-degree intentional homicide, attempted first-degree intentional homicide, first-degree reckless homicide, and then two counts of first-degree reckless endangering safety. So again, he was found not guilty on all five. Um, he had other charges, and other charges dropped, which we'll go into later. But but to answer your question again, I was surprised. Um, and not only not only that, I just kind of felt like with even though I totally felt he was completely acting or overacting, all the te- the fake tears and fake crying in the court, even when the even when the verdict was read, I just kind of feel like all that stuff would go into account when people were you know get suckered into believing that too. Um, so, so yeah. Overall, can't say I'm surprised by this at all. It's unfortunate in some some regards, because um, I think it potentially could set a bad precedent, which we'll go into later. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. But that's my thought. Um, what was it that surprised you? Said you weren't surprised. What was it that uh, kind of had you in that unsurprised kind of feeling regarding the verdict? Well, before I get into that, you said you said it's setting a bad precedent. And I would, I would like to hear more. What precedent do you feel that this is setting? Because I've I've discussed this with a few people this week. I want to know from your perspective, what precedent do you feel this case set? So first of all, let me go ahead and say that I would hope that no one would ever go into that same type of environment, uh, protest or unrest, with the intention of shooting or hurting anybody. And I'd say Kyle did, or Rittenhouse did, but just putting it out there. But... I think that this opens the door now for anybody in a similar situation, whether and honestly, really any situation at all, whether it's unrest involved or rider involved or not. Now they can make any type of claim, not any type of claim, but they can make a claim of self-defense. And in regard, because any attorney can point to this and say, well, in the famous Rittenhouse case, he was found not guilty on, you know, because he was defending himself. And they can make any correlation between that to say, hey, these are the same situations we can do that. So um, I'd say that. Now, potentially on reverse side, I wonder also, too, will this open the door for other people who have been jailed previously for similar self-defense crimes, and they, but they were found guilty, for them to say, hey, well, wait a minute, I want to file an appeal. He said he was defending himself in that situation. Like, my first thought of that comes into uh, women or men who were victims of uh, domestic violence, and they happened to kill their attackers, you know, insult the fence during an act, and all of a sudden they were found themselves, you know, convicted of a crime, as opposed to someone believing in self-defense. So uh, maybe that might open the door for that. So maybe it'll be a precedence, in, a precedence in that regard. But I think negatively, that's my concern there is going forward now, whenever there's any type of situation involved where somebody can just say, hey, I was in fear for my life. There was a mob trying to get me. So I shot and then thought later. So that's my concern when it comes to that going forward. Any case that's similar is going to be looking to this to say, well, let's model our case after this. You know, similar situations. There we go. So, um, and one last thing, not to be long-winded here, 
and I found an article about the, about this as well. wasn't looking for it, but just came up. I just wonder if this will set just a further a further precedent. Not that there wasn't one before already. When it comes to you know trials like this, when it comes to you know cases of white privilege in the courtroom. So, because um, I, I agree with you that I wasn't following following the trial day by day like some people were, which is fine if you want to do that. Um, I wasn't that enthralled with it. But I kept up with it when it comes to the, you know, just the stuff on scene and stuff like that, and and just but just the things that were benefited to Kyle. I would wonder if the same benefits would be given to someone who wasn't white. When it comes to, it seems like the judge was highly favorable towards Kyle and the defense attorneys in that regard. And again, that's based off information I've gotten from multiple news sources videos I've seen in the trial and things like that. Um, and also just the firsthand knowledge I have of courtroom demeanor. And it just seemed like the judge was really just in favor of the defense and Kyle. So, um, so yeah, I know that was probably more what you're expecting, but, but yeah, that's what I meant by setting a precedent or keeping a no. precedent going. No, I, I had no idea, frankly, Jason, what you were going to say. Um, and I feel it's important because so much has happened and emotions are high, especially when you have a high-profile case like this. And I feel like, you know, people may pay attention for a week, you know, of a of a of a court case, but I feel like there's so much misinformation out there that people it, were already kind of rooting for laundry, as, as I like to call it. Like the lines were already drawn. whether people agree with Kyle Rittenhouse or not. Um, one thing that I, that I did not know is that one of the, um, one of the, uh, one of his um, attackers in quotations um, had a firearm. I didn't know that. Does that change whether or not I think that he should be found not guilty? Not really. Because at the end of the day, he, he's, he's coming there, <laughs> right? He doesn't live in Kenosha. Um, so for me, a sticking point is always going to be you, you're literally throwing a rock, and then hiding your hand. And so you have a lot of people that fancy themselves, you know, guardians of, of the law enforcement because they feel like, oh, we're, we're, we're going to go over there and help. And using that rationale, frankly, with the a, with a AK, it, we're rather fortunate that more people didn't end up dead that night. Well, just to be clear, I think what he actually, not that there's, a, well, I know there's a difference, but it, well, I think what he had was an AR-15. Just want to put it out there just for factual sake, but yeah. No, no, you should you should correct me. No, no. I said, I said AK, <laughs> and I was thinking AR, and I appreciate you're correcting me. We should get that right, because that does matter. Well, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, it matters, but I mean, same point though. AK, AR-15, okay, different guns. I'd say probably same purpose if he had one or the other. So in regards to why, if he had it, he would have had it for whatever reason he had it for, to, to protect his community or whatever BS excuse that he was using to be there in the first place. Which, which, I, which I, I know that, you know, him not supposed to be there, he shouldn't have been there, isn't, shouldn't be, isn't a factor in, in this when it comes to legal matters. Because they can always say, well, the people who are rioting and protesting shouldn't have been there either. So, um, but still, he was there. What's the way they had AR-15 or AK still, the point of him having that gun or that type of gun was for what he says he was trying to do, protect a community. Even though he didn't live there and his grandparents may have lived there, whatever. Don't know. Don't really care. Um, but yeah, just putting that out there. AR-15. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the details matter and we are guaranteed to fuck up the details because there's no way we're going to have all the details ready. Um, and you brought up a good point, Jason. Every detail that we think matters is not going to matter. The fact that a lot of people were hung up on what the hell is this kid doing here? And I'm using kid in quotations because a gun in the hands of a 17-year-old, at that point, he ain't a damn kid anymore. Well, I'm, well I mean, he's still a kid, yeah. He's just a kid. I guess legally, I guess I can't say that anymore. A kid acting illegally, which that's not, I guess in court, court of law, it's not true anymore. He apparently was well within his right to, to be there and defend himself and all the other crap like that, you know. Um, yeah, and yeah. And I guess it's hard to take that out of it, the fact that he's not supposed to be there. Yeah, may, that may be true, but legally, in the court case, that's not, it apparently didn't matter. So, um, yeah, it's the, the one interesting thing I, I am waiting for, going to wait for a little bit is because, as you probably know, the gun that he had was bought for him by one of his buddies, somebody who's, who's the data's sister, apparently. Um, and that person was 18 or over. And I was, and that individual was, you know, had charges against him for that, you know, give, buying a gun for somebody who's not him and a minor. And now potentially he may have his charges dropped because, well, if Kyle was legally allowed to possess a gun, or rather, it wasn't illegal for Kyle to have it, then, you know. And the reason why I find that interesting is because going back to another episode of ours where we talked about, um, and forgive me, Ella French. We talked about the Ella French case, the police officer who, you know, lost her life, you know, in active duty in Chicago. Um, the person who used the gun that killed her was bought for that. It was a minor and the gun was bought for him by somebody who was 18 of age, so forth and so forth. So now I know and I know it's two different situations, but I'm just speaking of the generality of it that, you know, a legal adult bought a gun for someone who is a minor. And that minor use it, use that weapon to kill someone. Um, but yet, these two individuals, Kyle and his buddy, might be getting off off scot free. Yeah, it's it's going to be really hard. Well, one, like, yeah, he's free in the sense that he's not going to do time. 
but this is going to follow him wherever the hell he goes next. I, I was thinking about that too, because like we mentioned, he, he does, he does live in Kenosha. He lives, lives in Antioch, Illinois, which I will say, is, I, I joke around with you that it, you live in Wisconsin. He's definitely truly Wisconsin. Antioch, Illinois is right on the border of Illinois, Wisconsin, and only about 35 minutes away from Kenosha. And I was thinking about this earlier too, in regards to, yeah, like you said, he's not sure to serve any time, but his face has been all over the television. People would recognize his face. So even if he were to stay in Antioch or anywhere in Illinois, probably really anywhere else in the country, but definitely in Illinois, Wisconsin, people are going to recognize him. And not that I'm, I'm you know, encouraging anyone to do him physical harm. But I imagine that be a, will be a challenge because there are going to be people that don't like him. For whatever reason, people are just going to like him and they're going to want, want to do him harm. So I would think, uh, and I hope he's going to take every precaution to protect himself. But I agree with you that his life is going to, at least for the next probably few years, as long as his face is recognizable, and probably his name for that matter too, is going to follow him wherever he goes, whenever he's applying for a job, going to college, meeting new people in life. Because I'm not sure if it's college plans, but he's 18. So now that he's free, he can go do that stuff he wants to. But he's going to be recognizable forever, at least, because that name, I shouldn't say forever, but definitely at least five, 10 years, that name Kyle Rittenhouse. It's probably going to be pretty memorable for a while. So I'm not sure where he can go. I'm not sure if he's going to have to do the whole, um, um, Steve Bartman going to hiding kind of a thing. <laughs> hey, don't shake your head. I brought, listen, I know there's two different things, but I'm just saying that Steve Bartman, just for, catch, just for catching a foul ball, had to go into hiding in his own hometown of Chicago. Now, I don't know if Kyle's going to have to go into hiding because it's seemingly there are a lot of people that support him, you know, given that he, you know, he was, was uh, up in Wisconsin, a very gun-friendly state. Um, not that Illinois is that much different. What's up from the fact that there are going to be people that don't like him? He might have to go in some type of protection, you know, self-protection, you know? Just like, hey, but maybe I should be mindful of not doing this, doing that, or the other. And again, not feeling sorry for him at all, because I don't. But might be something he has to, has to do and think about. Yeah, I, I'm conflicted about the whole... Oh, he's going to have to go into the witness protection program because in some circles, he's being held as a fucking hero. True. Um, like, like I said, though, that's that's some circles. Right. But that's that's the world. No one is going to have 100 percent approval rating. Right. And so. My my thoughts as I as I think about this verdict is I wasn't so much upset about the verdict as I paid more attention to the reactions and how people responded. Like you shouldn't be rooting this kid on like it's the fucking NFL football game of the week. Well, I mean, you're going to have those people that are pro-Second Amendment, pro-this, pro-that, you know, pro-gun, whatever. You know, and, and I was going to say, I, I don't want to say that he's probably going to be looked at as a hero, but he probably is. 
He probably is. 17-year-old kid, young, you know, somebody who's supposed to be young and immature, blah, blah, blah. But yet he stepped up as an adult would to help protect his community. And he, and he was willing to kill someone over, over the right, over that right, and whatever, whatever. People are going to look at him as a hero. There's, hell, there's, there's pictures and videos, which could have been totally random, of him at a, at a bar, by the way, which, you know, there's that, 17-year-old in the bar, drinking with supposed Wisconsin Proud Boys or whatever. So even after even at the night of it, where it happened, he's already considered a hero at that point, now probably even more so now. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if he is you know getting to, you know touted by Trump at some point wouldn't shock me. Well, that'll make for a, a fun a fun midterm on it. Yeah, you heard it here now, now, folks. Kyle Rittenhouse for vice president. All right. Well, that concludes our first segment um, regarding the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the increase in fast casual restaurants. Coming up next on Cal Park Bros. Make sure all phones are on silent or turned off, on vibrate something. Yes, master. podcast jason and i were just discussing the fallout from the kyle rittenhouse trial and the verdict that was announced yes uh last friday um jason sent me this article uh from business insider by mary meisenall about the difference between fast food restaurants like McDonald's and fast casual restaurants like Chipotle. Uh, and the reason why he, he, he sent me this, I suspect is because um, he knows that I am a busy man with a busy family um, and that families like ours are probably the reasons why fast food and fast casual uh businesses literally exist <laughs> that, that's a lot of assuming on your part sir i mean you're welcome to tell me that's that there's a different reason there's a different reason 
Well, why don't you share with the people? Well, first off, me sharing this in the hopper, hashtag Jasonism, was because, you know, in, in my infinite search for excellent articles and topics to talk about on the Calvert Rose podcast, I came across this. And I, I personally found it very interesting when it comes to the diminishing differences between fast food restaurants, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, i.e., and fast casual restaurants like your Shake Shacks, your Chipotle's, Cadobas. I don't know where I'd put Panera, perfect example. Uh, just, you know, those differences are growing or rather diminishing between them. And that's what I found interesting. Um, and it kind of took me back to a time back when I would come visit you in the Bloomington, Normal, Illinois area. And um, I came across a Subway restaurant that had a drive through And I thought that was like beyond amazing because I had never seen at that point. This is, and folks, this is like 20 some plus years ago, but I had never seen any subway with a drive through I thought that was so amazing. I'm like, I, I had to go to the subway and go to the drive through And I did, by the way. But, um, but yeah, but even now, like I said, those lines are getting blurred because your, your Panera's, like I said, your Chipotle's, your Cadobas, they're getting those drive, drive through windows. They're taking measures to get serve more people and serve them in a quicker way. Um, now, again, they're still not changing their amenities, and that's kind of that difference. One of the differences between fast food and fast casual is kind of the ambiance, whereas fast food may cater more towards kids, whereas you know fast casual is more of that you know cool vibe that you might feel. And I'm not saying you know um, you know people are going to Chipotle to hang out on Friday nights to you know get it in or anything, but 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 there but there is a difference, and as we all know, in the vibe at Panera. And Chipotle versus McDonald's and Burger King. Go ahead and laugh, bro. You know you want to laugh. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, I, hey, hey listen, 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 listen. We all know that people go out and try to get it in on Friday, Saturday nights, right? And, you know, typically fast casual or fast food restaurants is not the place they go to do that. And that's what I'm saying. Is there's a difference in Chipotle in your local, you know, Piggly Wiggly or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, your juke joint or whatever you want to go to. Uh, yeah, let me just stop. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> because while you were just rambling about the the social strata of getting it in at a Chipotle, I could not help but to think of our, of our, um, a, a, a great reference to a great man and God rest his soul, Shock G getting busy in a Burger King bathroom. So, yeah, you, you, you don't want to downplay it. And all jokes aside to my man Rick Patino, who definitely knows his way around a Perkins. But, uh, yeah, I these are definitely community hubs, or at least they would have been um, in a non-COVID scenario. You know, so it, it definitely stands to reason that some of these some of these uh, fast casual setups um, had to kind of step their game up because they weren't as. In a weird way, COVID revolutionized. Uh, dining, because if 
those restaurants didn't evolve quickly and iterate quickly, they would not have been, they would not have survived. Even your average mom and pop has some sort of mechanism for just, hey, let's get the food out and, you know, get people what they need. Think about just packaging to-go containers, stuff like that. That that has also changed as well, I imagine. It's probably initiated some innovation on the packaging side when it comes to food as well. Yeah. Um, no, I know one thing that uh, I found an article that mentioned this too, which um, we mentioned the in, uh, the Insider article that, that I located that I put in the hopper, is that they one thing they did mention, though, in regards to those lines getting blurred, is that typically your fast casual restaurants would be more expensive, and they still are, but they're finding those lines getting blurred a little more when it comes to the fast food restaurants are getting more expensive. Um, and they, I did find some numbers in the article about that, including also wait times as well. Uh, but picking up a quick meal from McDonald's, Burger King, and other fast food chain, uh, fast food chains isn't as expensive as it once was either. Prices at fast food restaurants rose 7.1% compared uh, this October to last October, according to new data released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, in July this year, Insider reported on some change raising prices by as much as 10%. The greatest price increases were 10% at Taco Bell, 8% at McDonald's, 8% at Dunkin' Donuts, or Dunkin', uh, followed by Chipotle and Cheesecake Factory, according to anal analysis from Gordon Haskett. So, so those prices are increasing. Now, some of that could, people could say is inflation, blah, 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 but going to that dollar menu may... Uh, at places may be the best way to go because if you want to get that Big Mac, you know whatever whatever you're getting, uh, it might cost you a little few more bucks in your in your in your wallet. So, um, and and I, I as someone who has frequented plenty of Chipotle's recently, I have noticed their prices going up at least not as much anyway. Even though the article says that they are, I haven't noticed it. Uh, pretty much, I go in and get the same thing all the time. Obviously other than maybe a few cents, it's pretty much been the same thing. Um, now, I don't frequent fast food joints um, anymore, so I don't, I don't know if you have any, I'm not judging, but I don't know if you have any insight into into that when it comes, if you notice any price increases in your times if you go into fast food joints, or even fast casual for that matter. Notice price and price of stuff going up altogether. If, if, it's, if it's not gas, it's food, um, toiletries. I mean, there's a, there's a reason, there's a reason Joe Biden, um, had to, uh, release some of the oil reserves. Um, so some of the strategic oil reserve, cause the heat was on his ass literally and figuratively, uh, about the price of, uh, of, of energy. So yeah, I've noticed an uptick in prices across the board. They, we, we were talking about the uh, consumer price index going up. So, yeah, stuff in general is more expensive. Um, is there a good reason for that? In some cases, yes. And in some cases, it doesn't have a goddamn thing to do with who's in the White House. 
uh, I think for, well, for one, all of this innovation we were talking about, well, that, that had to come from somewhere. Somebody had to invest in this infrastructure, right? So the whole thing about, you know, Chipotle having basically the equivalent of a, of a drive-in or a drive-through called Chipotle, Chipotle lanes. I mean, that has to be, that has to be invested in, that has to be created and it can't be cr created from thin air. And so that, that fronting of that innovation and that investment, well, they're going to have to make up the cat make up the, the money somewhere because that's an enormous outlaying of cash to make that happen. That's marshalling resources to even make that a possibility COVID or no COVID. So, yeah. I do want to mention kind of one other blurred line. When you, when you think fast food, <clears throat> well, just that it's in the name fast food, somewhere we can go and get food fast, pretty quick, whether it be going inside the restaurant or drive through. That's what it's become known for. The fast casual may be sort of quick, but not typically like fast food. But the Insider article mentions that there's some blurred lines with that with that as well, too. While fast casual is getting faster and adding drive throughs fast food is getting slower and more expensive. Average wait time in fast food drive throughs increased nearly 30 seconds since 2020 to just over six minutes this year, while Chipotle pushed the average drive uh, drive through time down to 10 minutes. Weights have steadily increased over the last few years from 234 seconds in 2018 to 327 seconds in two, uh, 2019 to 356.8 seconds in 2020, resulting in this year's relatively long weights. Now, one thing I do kind of wonder with that is obviously the demand for these businesses, you know, has increased because, like you said, as people get busier and busier and busier, the less time they're going to spend cooking at home, thus the more time they're going to spend at, at drive-thrus or fast casual places getting food from there. So I think some of that's going to play into that as well. Um, but also, too, with the pandemic and pretty much anybody who wanted to get food at these places, you had to go to the, the, the uh, drive-thru if they weren't allowing anybody indoors or if they had limited space indoors. Um, so I wonder now that we're kind of getting you know, pass all this with stuff's reopened now, people getting back to quote unquote normal as much as they can. Are people just used to, you know, going through drive throughs and don't even bother going inside anymore? Because I don't know about you. It seems like whenever I'm driving past a, 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 a fast food restaurant with a drive through the lines are ridiculously long, whether it be McDonald's, White Castles, Popeye's, KFC, Burger King, don't matter. All these that, places you don't eat. <laughs> well, what's up? Well, that's because they're everywhere. So I can't help but look. Whatever the the lines in the street, that's when I you'll have to notice it. And I notice it a lot, especially going past one certain restaurant where people are like lined up like half a block down the street in the street before they're even in the prop uh, property of the uh, of the uh, place where they're going. So yeah, I can't help but notice these things. Or if I'm going. Any place, you know, like I was going to the gym the other day. It was late at night, whatever, like seven, eight, eight, eight nine o'clock. And nobody's in the gym. Yet the line at the at the White Castle is like 15, 20 deep, you know. So 
So yeah, so I think I wonder if people are just used to, you know, just going to the drive through, not going inside anymore. Because why would you? So I don't know. I, again, obviously, that's I don't have any factual information about that. That's just kind of a curiosity and wonder. Just because, you know, um, yeah. So th there's that there. Um, I also wonder too where services like Grubhub and uh, uh, DoorDash and all the other places Uber Eats are going to play a role in this as well. You would think that that would help some of this because it wouldn't be as many people going to these places, but I don't know because somebody has to pick the stuff up. So they still got to go there and get in line of some sort. So I don't know. Um, what do you think about all that when it comes to the wait time, Terrence? Uh, my first thought as you were talking about all those places that you don't eat at was well obviously your presence is not uh is not uh hurting the economy there are plenty of people who like that stuff but also what i thought was there were so many places that we literally couldn't go so even if i wanted to go into a mcdonald's and dine in i couldn't Even if I wanted to go into um, a Chipotle, I couldn't. There were so many places that dining, dining, dining room service was shut off from for so long that that's actually my concern is that it's kind of hard to put that genie back in the lamp because preferences have changed as well. And so I'm one of those guys that like, listen, I like the flexibility. Sometimes I'm on the go. I've got somewhere to be. And I am one of those schmucks that's in the drive, in the, in the drive, in drive, uh, drive through. And there are other times where I'm like, you know what? I would really like just to take my time and just sit, converse with my family. And I don't know, not rush. And my concern is, is that because of the pandemic and also because of the hiring crisis and all these supply chain issues, that we may be talking about a permanent shift. I also think that so many of these communities where it's just set up to like, hey, you got to have a car. Like, think about what you just mentioned. Everywhere you go, one, you were going via car, I assume. And then two, um, all those people needed cars. There's, there, there's, there's laws in places that you can't even, like, pull up to a drive-through with a bike. So, ironically, it's, it's, it's kind of jacked up in that regard. You're almost saying, hey, you can't even conduct business without a car. That's another concern I have as well. So. You you definitely are correct when it comes to the pandemic changing habits, changing preferences. And not and honestly, not really just even with what we eat, you know, or where we choose to, to go. It's even stuff we do every day, like work. You know, but before the pandemic, I was 
totally dead set against going working remotely. Didn't want to do it. Thought it was like I don't want to have to do this. Now after a year and a half of doing it, I want to, I don't want to work back in an office again. Like why? That's dumb. That's old school. We don't you know. So and yeah, just so yeah, definitely I agree, I agree with you there. Just in general of the pandemic and the shutdown that happened. And, if, and everything that came along with it just changed people's habits and routines and what they're used to and what they want to do. I would imagine if I could get, like like I said, I love Chipotle. If I could go to eat Chipotle without having to go inside and get, get out of my car, yeah, I do it all the time. If, if Grubhub and DoorDash weren't so expensive, I'd, I'd order from there all the time and just get it, get it that way. So, yeah, going inside... How primitive. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I feel you completely, man. It's, you know, change what we're, de- you know, what we've gotten used to. And maybe things will change again. Now that, you know, maybe we'll get unused to this as well. And go back to truly being normal, quote unquote, how life was before we were introduced to COVID-19. So um, don't know if we ever get there, but it'll be interesting to see how the lines get more blurred between fast casual and fast food over the next year, two years or so. Um, and to the point of, will there really be a difference anymore other than the ambiance that I mentioned? And even with that, who knows if that'll change, you know? Uh, because if people start going through the drive-thrus more, or restaurants put even put more emphasis or keep putting emphasis on what their restaurants look like on the inside and no one's going in there in there anyway, by comparison. Yeah. So yeah. I think I feel like you've already seen a shift, like just the way some of these dining rooms are more kiosk focused anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was yeah, um I was at uh I was in Walmart the other day and like most people know there's a subway in most Walmarts and the subway in this particular Walmart, I guess they've gone through a renovation I hadn't been there in a while. Uh so they went through some renovations and it looks totally new now. It looks more fast casual-ish. It doesn't cater to kids anymore. It looks more like, okay, I wouldn't mind sitting down and eat my sandwich here. You know, kind of a, kind of a vibe. So, so I, I don't know if it's just coincidence that we just have to be talking about this and that I just have noticed that one in particular make a change. But I know typically that if one makes a change like that, it's not just because it's a one-off change for them. It's because corporate decided, hey, this is going to be our new design for our restaurants. And all of them are going to be looking like this in the next year or so. That's typically what a lot of restaurant chains do is they don't make that change for one of them. They'll do it for all of them eventually. So, um, so yeah, so maybe that's just another, another way that's going to blur the lines even more that they're going to start looking the same when it comes to that adult vibe. And again, not the getting in adult vibe, but just the adult vibe that they're not catering to kids anymore. Like you're not seeing Ronald McDonald's hanging out at McDonald's anymore, you know? Um, so that kind of a feel looks more adultish or less cartoonish, we'll say. So, so yeah. All right. Well, time will tell. That concludes the second segment uh, regarding fast casual and fast food. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about whether or not you can be really valuable or most valuable player on a losing team. Coming up next on Cal Park Bros.
Make sure all dogs are in view of the camera so we can, meet, we can use that. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. I don't know what, what I don't know what what is your opposition to having Duchess in any of the videos. I don't understand this. I mean, I mean, the dog already has a TikTok and an Instagram. I don't think she needs any any more shine. I, well, first of all, it's not about her shine. It's her helping us shine a little bit. I I, I don't think the dog is interested in helping us shine, respectively. And you care about what the dog thinks, huh? I care very much what the dog thinks, actually. So much to say. So much to say. Welcome back to the Cal Park Bros Podcast. Jason and I are fresh off the fast casual fast food discussion. Um, segment three, we're going to be talking about most valuable players on losing squads. Jason, the article you sent me, this is from Washington Post. Um, the last time MLB, the Major League Baseball, um, had MVPs um, that missed the playoffs was was nineteen eighty seven, and the saying that it could happen this year again. And the reason this came up is, of course, because uh, uh, Showtime um, uh, won an MVP, right? Correct. Uh, Shohei Tani won the AL MVP, and Bryce Harper in the National League. Uh, Shohei Otani played for the Angels, and uh, Mr. Harper uh, played with the Phillies, and both teams did not, did not make the playoffs. And so what I'm seeing is that basically a lot of people are wondering, can you really be the most valuable player if your team is not successful? So for decades, I've been saying this, is that the, the award is most valuable player. And obviously this came up because of baseball, but we can frame this in every other sport, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, um, is that the, the award is most valuable player. The key term in there for me is valuable. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I've always stated that how valuable can you be to a team that had a losing record because they had a losing record with you there and they likely would have had a losing record without you there as well. So how valuable can you be? Losing record with, losing record without, as opposed to somebody who's there and they had that great success because of you and they wouldn't have had it if you weren't there. So case in point, I'll see Michael Jordan, obviously. Um, but yeah, so that's always been my, my stance. And keep in mind, MLB has been around for almost 150 years, or excuse me, 150 years plus. Um, so 
So yeah, only nine times. Didn't happen very often. But still, it definitely happened in, in baseball more than any other sport. Just a point of reference here. Uh, just based off what I could find, you know, via, via, via the Google, is that it's only happened once in the NBA where the MVP came from a losing team. And that was back in 1976. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lakers missed the playoffs. And they had a losing record. And then twice in hockey. Uh, I wasn't able to find any, any information about it happening in the NFL, so I'm going to assume that it hasn't. Um, but yeah, but definitely, as you can tell, it happens a lot more in baseball. What's happened more times in baseball than it has the other two sports. So, but that's my thoughts and opinions on the, on the matter. What do you think, Terrence? I think there's probably a reason that this is happening more in baseball. It's because baseball is such a team game. And the dynamic of the team game in baseball is such that we can appreciate a, a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent, right, that we have in Otani. I mean, the guy can pitch. The guy can hit. And just because the Angels are sorry, or at least they were sorry this year, we should... We should ignore this this once in a in a lifetime generational talent. I mean, he definitely made he definitely made headlines. He definitely made Major League Baseball more interesting. He probably helped the Angels in the jersey sales category. So one another thing I've always brought up is that, again, going back to the name of the award, most valuable player, as opposed to a player of the year award, it's two different things. Now, obviously, MLB not be, doesn't. Not, now, go ahead. Not to be con- not to be confused with a player hater of the year award. That that goes to you every single year, buddy. But um, yeah, exactly. I'm sure you hap- happily accept that, Silky Johnson. You, but um. But yeah, there's a di- I believe there's a difference versus the most valuable player versus the player of the year. What's it's the difference? Of, well, just that like that in the name. In my again, partially this is my opinion. Player of the year, that's somebody the player I think I think who had the best year of any other player during that given season, 2021, which probably would have been Shohei Otani. I agree. He definitely he is the player of the year. I'll give him that. Most valuable. Even with even with his skill behind, you know, at the plate, and his skill on the mound, and he was good at both. Even that wasn't able to help the 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 Angels even have a winning record. You know, and and and, and in baseball, so they have they have the most uh, games played, and to have a winning record. All you gotta do is win eighty two games. That's it. I know it sounds like a lot, but guess what? You have 161, uh, excuse me, 162 games to do it. You're also making it seem like it's easy to do. I didn't say it is, but what I, well, that also goes into another point is that, you know, it is difficult, yes, but there are also other great players who had fantastic seasons, by the way, and their teams actually had a winning record. 
So and and that's another thing. It'd be one thing. It'd be one thing if if everybody had like a crappy season, nothing really stand outish to say. Okay, no one really had any other good seasons. So let's give it to Shohei Otani because he he was the most valuable and he had the most valuable like you know season. Well, that's not the case. There were several other good players, you know, that exemplified MVP you know caliber seasons. Again, now one t- one guy in particular, his team didn't make the playoffs. No, but they at least had a winning record. And I think that's the important part here. You can miss, you can be a good team with a good record, and miss the playoffs. So that that is what it is. <clears throat> you can't be a good team and have a losing record. That's not how it works. So that goes back to what I was saying: is take Shohei Otani off the Angels. Guess what? They still suck. Just like they sucked with with suck may be a strong word. They didn't have a, a poor season, but still. Losing record with him there, so how viable can they be? Because if he wasn't there, still would have had a losing season. I, I I'm conflicted on this whole. You got to have a, a winning record because you know I immediately think the Chicago Bears last year, and I'm like, yeah, just because they were nine and seven doesn't mean they were good. It, okay, exactly. <clears throat> That's also fair. That is very fair. Nine and seven in the NFL on a 16 game schedule is very me- mediocre. But with that being said. Was there anybody on the Bears that had an MVP caliber worthy season? No. On the I'll, offensive side? I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question for you. The answer is no. I mean, maybe Allen Robinson. Maybe. The fact that you have to say maybe, then that's pretty much automatically a no. Well, you know, just because you say maybe doesn't mean that it – I mean, he – he was good enough to get the franchise money. So he that, was the, obviously We know that don't mean nothing. We know that. It mean it means basically they they believe you are talented enough to get the money. They just don't want to pay it to you. <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly. So we all know the franchise tag don't mean nothing. It just means they 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 they, they want to keep on the team, but they don't want to pay you long term for what you want. They but but keep around for one year at least and figure it out. So, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I my my thing is this. You. So it seems it seems like out of all leagues, Major League Baseball deserves to to have two MVPs that team that had that were on teams that didn't make the playoffs because no no league makes a bigger deal out of stats. That swear that they either matter or don't matter than baseball. So it's what you deserve. It's what you deserve. It's it is an individual award. And there's only there's only one there's only one award for most valuable player, right? They don't do they don't do it's not like the NFL where they try to do MVP and then they try to do offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year and that's not even the same because ultimately football is you you have to be literally Reggie White game changing on the defensive end to beat out a quarterback nowadays so the, the decks already kind of stacked against you in a in a in a league like the NFL. And so 
it's just different. You know, you only have two spots, right? So, so, so I will say this though, and I know we've been talking about the American League with Shohei Otani because you know, I think that's kind of the more, like, better word, controversial um, frame here. But just putting someone else out there who who was a, who was a candidate to win the award, but uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, played for the Toronto Blue Jays, who were ninety-one and seventy-one, so twenty games above five hundred, so ninety-one team. So obviously they're pretty good. Uh, he had a, had a phenomenal season. In some cases, better than Shohei Otani. He actually batted above three hundred, had forty-eight home runs, a hundred plus RBIs, slugging six hundred. On base percentage above four. And I had to pull up Shoy Otani's numbers. I believe a lot of those numbers are better than better than he had. And again, his team actually had a winning record, 20 games above 500. So I could say the case could be better made that he's more valuable to his team. Because they wouldn't be 20 games above 500 without him on the team. So, now I don't know if it's because, like you said, Shoyatani pitches. Maybe that's why he got the nod for the MVP. But again, yeah. but again, but again, I say, which is, which is phenomenal. But again, I say, when it comes to this, so what? Well, you can sew what it all you want because he got he got he got he got the title, didn't he? Hey, hey, not knocking it. It can't take it away, like we always say. Like you said the other day, is he is he going to give the ring back? No, he's the MVP. It, the trophy's his. The twenty twenty one MVP will be his. Can't take it away. And maybe he'll do it again next year. Maybe his team will be be winning. I just still say, no matter no matter the sport, whether it be baseball, uh, hockey, football, whatever, basketball. The MVP should be from a team that actually was not even successful, that actually had a winning record. Because that's that to me is value. You were the best player on a winning team. Yeah, but you're trying to you're trying to align an individual achievement alongside team success. When really they are almost like complementary, complementary things. I mean, one could definitely feed into the other. Yeah. Right. Right. But I don't consider the absence of of team success to be um. I, I unless unless you felt like oh this guy is just you know doing this for stats. Yeah, he's he he's not he's putting himself in a position to get more RBI, but not necessarily help the team win. Like unless you've got done that level of of analytics, you know the way like people were trying to parse uh, Russell Westbrook's all of his triple doubles, and you'd see people putting putting shit together on YouTube like the Zapruder film. Like look at this guy purposely missing his shit or p- positioning himself to kind of run up the 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 numbers for for rebounds for example and unless you've got that level of analytics on a guy i don't feel right penalizing someone just because the 
He can't play all nine fucking positions, man. <laughs> you know? He already plays two positions. <laughs> you want him to, you you basically want him to play the other seven. <laughs> I don't want to play play anything other than what he what he does. That's fine. But I'm just saying that when it comes to value. Yes. I, yeah, you know, okay, again, I obviously recognize that him being on the team makes the Angels record better than better than what it would be without him. Oh, so you can at least acknowledge that. Well, okay. yeah, well, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. I agree. But what I'm saying is, does that person or individual have more value than somebody else who had a better season than he did, and that individual's team actually had a winning record? Case in point, Vlad Guerrero. And I actually pulled up Shohei Otani's stats, and I was absolutely correct. Home runs, batting average, RBIs, on-base percentage, slugging, OPS, all that. Vlad Guerrero Jr. had a better, all those stats were better than Shohei Otani's. How many, uh, how, many, how many strikeouts did, uh, did Vlad uh, ring up as pitcher? <laughs> Is, and, and, okay, great, okay, great. And that's not, okay, exactly my point. So, yeah, I agree with you. Shohei Tani, that's the other side he can do. He actually pitches, gets stats and wins and strikeouts and stuff like that from the pitching side of it. But even with that, even as good as he was on, on both positions, that still wasn't enough to propel his team to get a winning record. And a matter of fact, while I'm looking this up, let me just confirm what the record actually was. So the Angels are 77 and 85. So again, not the worst, not by far, not even the worst record in you know in the league. What well, what was the record? Uh, the Angels were seventy seven and eighty five, so eight games below five hundred. There were definitely worse teams in Major League Baseball than the Angels. So so now I'm not putting it out there. The Angels were like the worst team in the world because they weren't. But just saying, even as great as Shohei Otani was. Even pitching every five days, even that wasn't enough to get the Angels at least one game above five hundred. Not even one. So, um, again, Player of the Year, maybe, and even that can't even. I, I don't know if I can even give him that because again, I just gave you a guy whose stats are way better than Shohei Tani's for Player of the Year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna come to an agreement tonight. Uh, the guy was thir- what thirteen. Uh, he was. He was nine and two. He won ten games. Imagine if he doesn't win two games. Uh, win ten, almost ten games. That's all I'm gonna say. Congrats to him. Cheers to you, show. All right. That concludes our third and final segment uh, regarding uh, putting the V in MVP. Uh, coming up next, we'll wrap up the show. And not even a- acknowledging that, sir. And <laughs> <laughs> do our final, sh- our final shout-outs for episode 32 on Cal Park Bros. 
So I made an executive decision earlier today. So you can't be doing that without me. Well, I'm talking to the other executive. I'm talking to my co-captain. Well, keep. Whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't have this conversation before, okay? About if if, if anybody is the co-captain, it's you. I mean, the, I'm the, the captain of, the, of this shit. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Calpark Bros podcast with your hosts, Terrence and Jason. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave us a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback or show topics at calparkbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at calparkbros.com. You can also call us on the Calpark Bros voicemail at 405-877-2767. That's 405 405- 877 say it with me bros who knows your message to end up on a future episode of this here podcast jason any final thoughts people hey man final thoughts are hey it's always good to get another, another episode in uh folks this is the episode coming out of the week of thanksgiving coming out on thanksgiving day so hopefully you guys spend some time with the family at least and enjoy that time whatnot or if you just want to watch some football hey I'm right there with you. I don't mind. So make sure you have a good day, have a fun day, and enjoy. But also make sure you get the family gathered around and listen to Cal Park Bros. There you go. So, but yeah, make sure you're doing everything Terrence mentioned, connecting with us on email, the voice message, either the phone or the website. But also connect with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Go there. Between the segment stuff, it's all there. Also, the separate videos will also be posted on YouTube and IGTV as well. Make sure you catch that. Make sure you're good Calvert Bros stalkers. Listen to everything we say and watching everything we do. We appreciate that. Probably the only time that we want stalkers is, is just, just for the show. That's it. Nowhere else. But, uh, but definitely make sure you're, you're encompassing that and living it, loving it, and doing it. But folks, it's time. I'd say probably your favorite part of the show. The line. The catchphrase. The hashtag. Here it is. If you know it, say it with me. If not, learn it and go forward and say it going forward every time after this. But when it comes to all things Cal Park Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? Amen, Jason. And with that, this is Cal Park Bros signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, why wouldn't you?